Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, Buckeye Nation? Welcome to Land Grant Holy Land's Instant Recap Podcast. The podcast where we come on after every single Ohio State game, sometimes other games, you know. You didn't see us this summer because there was no TBT, but more importantly, every Ohio State football game, we come on, we give you 20 to 20 to 20, 20 to 35 minutes of thoughts uh, after each game, immediately after the game. I'm your host, Jordan Williams. I'm here with my co-host, Chris. How you doing, Chris? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, getting out of a top five matchup with a win at home is always something to be proud of. I know Ohio State fans would have liked to see a little bit more dominant of a performance, but, you know, looking at kind of everything that happened throughout the game, the environment, just the level of competition they were playing, this game ended up playing out probably how it should have. Yeah, I think I agree with that. So before we jump right into it, and on most occasions, we will jump right into it. Uh, but this, since this is the first one, just a couple of things, how this works. We come in, we give some initial thoughts. We'll go over some stats. We'll talk about the first half, second half. And then we'll discuss any injuries, big plays, player of the game, and we'll let you know what's happening next week. Um, I think you kind of started with your initial thoughts. Uh, you know, big game, number five. I want to start out by saying a part of me feels like – so. I'm going to start out by asking you a question. Do you feel like, you know, as the co-host of Buckoff, we talk all the time, do you feel like I owe Notre Dame an apology? Or do you feel like Ohio State didn't play well? Because I, for anyone who doesn't listen to Buckoff, which, shame on you, I have been, for the most of the summer and on Friday, very dismissive of Notre Dame. And I think that their defense played a little better than I expected. But I did admit that I just wasn't sure about Marcus Freeman because we haven't really seen his defense, in my opinion, because last year they weren't good, and before that he was running Luke Fickle's defense. So based on what you've seen starting out, do you think I owe them an apology, or do you feel like this was, is Notre Dame better than I thought, or, or do you feel like this was really just injuries, day, just shit in the bed, excuse my language, and just a weird game week one? Yeah, I mean, I think you probably don't owe them an apology uh, because I think we saw – with the six straight punts on offense that their offense just actually wasn't very good. They just had a few pretty solid plays. Uh, I think Jim Knowles' defense came prepared. But I do think Vargas Freeman might not deserve an apology, but I think he should move up a little bit on your respect radar. Because I felt like Notre Dame came out very ready to play against Ohio State, and that's not something you know that you could always say about Brian Kelly's Notre Dame team. 
when they would come into matchups like this, I felt like Marcus Freeman had them believing they could win this game. And up until late when Ohio State really started establishing the run and doing what they were supposed to do, they really had a fighting chance to win this game. And I think when you bring up Ryan Day's kind of stinker as a play caller, you lose JSN, I want to say, on the first or second series for pretty much. And then after that, you're playing with two first-time starters in a big environment. That's not something you really want to rely on. So I think I think Marcus Freeman deserves respect as a head coach. I think the defense of staff did the best they could. Uh, I think their offense still has a long way to go, which is something I think we both said previously. We just kind of wanted to see it on the field. Okay, that's fair. Um, I, I will say that I do think I agree 100% that um, Marcus Freeman had his guys ready to go. They came in with the game plan. You heard the rumors, right, that they felt like they could out-tough Ohio State, that they wanted to come in with a game plan uh, similar to what Michigan, uh, what Utah, and honestly, it wasn't a loss, but what Minnesota did, what Oregon did, which is really – throw some tight ends on the field, run the ball down their throat, control the game, um, limit Ohio State's possessions. Um, The one thing that they did that no one else did, and maybe this speaks to Marcus Freeman, actually maybe he is a good defensive mind. And I want to clarify, I never said he wasn't. I just said we don't have enough. We don't have enough to say that 100%. Definitively, yeah. Definitively is the way he played. All those other teams, none of them, in my opinion, could stop the offense. Um, with Brandon Joseph back there at safety, with Isaiah, is it Folkley? Uh, uh, Folkley is it an F? Foskey. Foskey. With Isaiah, um, they got. They, they. I don't think they, they. I think they only got one sack. It was pretty early. But the way they played, their defense was fast. They were aggressive. They played very sound. There was only one busted coverage, and it wasn't a busted coverage. It was a bad play call. They blitzed the safeties on third down in the red zone. Other than that, no busted coverage. Hardly any missed tackles except Mayan Williams just being a dog and running people yeah, over. Absolutely. So what he did on offense, what he tried to do is what the other teams did. Um, on defense, he did something that none of them did and literally just like they kept saying in, on the broadcast, he treated C.J. Stroud like Patrick Mahomes. He dropped everyone deep, two safeties. He barely blitzed and kept everything in front of him and said, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us on Three to five, three to seven yard passes. You're not going to go deep. Uh, Stroud was, I believe, pretty early in the game. He was like one for seven on on passes ten yeah, yards down the field. field yeah. uh, they 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 just did not allow it, and and that is. I don't think that every team is going to have the defensive players to operate that way. You can try. Like Michigan State can try to do that, but they don't have the players in their secondary. But the talent on on Notre Dame's defense maybe. I won't say we underestimated it because we just didn't know, but I think that they executed their game plan well, um, and and I want to give them I want to give them props for that. Do you, before we yeah. you know, kind of dive in, honestly, if Notre Dame fans came into the game and said like, and they knew that Ohio State was only going to have twenty one points, they might legitimately have thought they were going to be able to win that game. So, uh, as much as you know, moral victories don't matter to us Ohio State fans. I think that's something Notre Dame could take away with them the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, especially for the fans who, like most people in the country, didn't think that they would win that game um, to hold Ohio State to 21 points. I, I mean, a, a, just a, a two-quarter stretch 
where the Ohio State's offense did absolutely nothing um, to hold yeah. a lead for literally the majority of the game. I can't tell another fan base to, to be okay with the moral victory, but I think I'd be okay with that. I, I think I would at least leave with some confidence in what this team is doing, at least defensively. Yeah, sure. I, I don't know how much how much confidence I'd have offensively. Yeah, and I think, honestly, if that if you want to transition to our like initial thoughts, analysis type of stuff, I think starting with Jim Knowles would be a very natural place to do that. Yeah. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. I'm gonna let you go first. Um, so I want, but I want to set you up for it. So, what did you learn? One or two things that you learned about Jim Knowles uh, and, and this defense, and what are your initial thoughts just watching the game? Yeah, so like outside of like individual players kind of having their moments, you know, uh, I think we're gonna talk about that a little later. They just always seem to have an answer. And, you know, Notre Dame might break off a play here. But I remember there was a sequence where Notre Dame would do that jet sweep read option that they'd run. And the next time, uh, Jack Sawyer set the edge incredibly well, stopped the play. They had the quarterback handled, which is why he handed it off. And that organization, that level of just kind of having an answer, making those adjustments isn't something we saw last year. And, you know, I didn't feel like Michael Mayer did much. I don't have his final stats pulled up in front of me but just from a from the general feel of the game it didn't feel like he had a significant impact and it's five for 32 five yards and i i think that's something. 17 the one play and that the the 17 yard catch was the one time there wasn't a safety on him he was matched yeah. up on cam brown and he just boxed him out as an NFL tight end should do. Like, Cam Brown was there, but when you have a six-foot whatever NFL tight end first-round pick, he should box out any corner in the nation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So you can't so, be mad at that. You know, what I we talked about limiting Tyler Buckner as a runner. Felt like he did a generally good job as that. Uh, limiting big plays. Felt like they only really gave up two big passing plays. Uh, not a very many big running plays. And then... That all comes from the structure of the defense. And Jim Knowles had a plan. Everyone was prepared. Tommy Eichenberg, uh, Cody Simon, Steel Chambers, the whole linebacking crew was playing fast. The safeties were always in position to make plays, and the defensive line was living in the backfield. Like, that's Jim Knowles. That's what I learned today. And that's against a very well-coached offensive offensive line over on the other side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so um, I think my initial thoughts is, man, like this defense has a chance to be special, right? I understand that Notre Dame is not going to be the best offense that we face, but everything that plagued us last year, uh, first of all, before we continue, last year's team would have lost this game, right? I'm not going to go into this instant recap podcast singing this team's praises, especially not Ryan Day, but if we're going to be honest, last year's team would have lost this game. And everything that plagued us last year defensively was fixed. The, run, the, the yeah. running game, I have the stats right here. 30 rushes for 76 yards, one touchdown. They averaged 2.5 yards per carry. That did not happen last year. Any team that actually legitimately rushed the ball ran all over us last year. Tyler Buckner started out 8 for 8. He ended the game 10 for 18 for 177 yards. After his little dink and dunk first half, after his little dink and dunk first half, he went 2 for 10 the rest of the game. Um, Like you said, they learned, right? They had a, they had a little gain on an outside sweep. There was no outside, 
And, and so, like I asked you, what is something that I learned? I learned that Jim Knowles linebackers play the run. That is it. That is their responsibility. They almost never go out and pass coverage. Um, obviously, you know, on certain on certain downs. When, I mean, even on passing downs, a lot of times they blitz. And yeah. you could see them playing free because they don't have to think about the pass. Even if you play fake, that's really not their responsibility. And, I, and, and you kind of saw that early. And so you see Tommy E, you see Steel Chambers, you see these guys running around making plays because they're almost singularly focused on running the ball. And maybe that's not going to be the same against Maryland, who is a pass-happy team. But against this team, it felt like he went all week and said, you play the run and nothing else. You don't worry about the tight end. You don't worry about play action. You don't worry about anything, play fakes, anything. And one of the plays that highlights that is on one of the few, um, one of the few QB read plays. It was assignment football. Uh, Tyler Buckner faked the handoff, and and, and um, Jack Sawyer lit up the running back. He didn't even look at the quarterback. He lit up the running back yeah. because he knew that was his assignment. And then the linebacker, I think it was Steel Chambers, maybe it was Tommy E. The linebacker had Tyler Buckner for a two-yard gain, I believe it was. And he didn't look at the running back because he knew on this play, on a read option, my guy's the quarterback. Nothing else matters. If it's a fake or run, I key the quarterback. And they ran that assignment football. His, his defense is yeah. assignment-based. Their discipline, and they they will. And I I will say this: this is one thing that you know maybe with more explosive offenses we'll have to worry about. Worry about. They do give up big plays because he's aggressive. And yeah. I think I saw Bill Landis tweet that at one point in the game they had five big plays, which is uh, reference at passes of fifteen yards and runs of ten plus. Um, they give up a little bit of big plays because he's aggressive, but. You know, first drive, they give up a 54-yard pass and then allow a field goal. Yeah, it was definitely a very – it was a sight for sore eyes. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think there's a lot to build on. I think when you have a pass rush that's as effective like that. And, you know, one of the biggest plays was Tommy Eichenberg's first half sack of Tyler Buckner that took him kind of out of any opportunity to go forward or – anything along those lines. So there were big plays throughout for the defense. I, I think, like you said, Notre Dame's offense, we don't know how good they'll actually be. But, hey, hey you know, that physical running, I don't know how Kerry Combs would have handled a running quarterback last year. So, you know, before the game, we had kind of a checklist, lay a lot of hats on Tyler Buckner. They did that. You could see him getting uncomfortable as the game progressed confuse them with coverages, uh, make sure you're just playing assignment football, and they did all those things. Yeah, 100%. Um, do you, I think we should switch a little bit to the offense and Ryan Day. Um, before before we do that, we have to – oh, no, no, we'll wait for it because we have to play of the game. Um, do you have any, any final thoughts on the defense? Yeah, not really. Uh, I think we're going to learn more as the season progresses. I, I'm kind of excited to see what they do against Wisconsin as well. Um, I mean, there's players not listed in our player of the game that I think should be highlighted. JT was incredibly physical. Um, Tommy Eichenberg, uh, the linebacking group was incredibly prepared, and you could see it. Uh, Outside of, like, a couple big plays, I felt like the DBs did their job. Everyone just kind of played their part, and that's exactly how a good defense is supposed to be. 
I feel like I'm forgetting one. Jack Sawyer looking big, looking strong, being a very uh, assertive run defender was something that surprised me as well. So I'm really excited to see how he grows in that regard this season. But the interior defensive line, uh, I don't know how many people would notice that, but they were just wrecking plays from the start. And that's really my final takeaway on it. Yeah, it, it was it was immediate, um, and the like. You know, I spoke on the linebackers because anyone who listens to me knows I'm a linebackers guy. But the the other thing, and, and I think we kind of learned this a little bit. Like it was never said by the coaches, but I think we kind of learned this a little bit in the way that players talked in the spring. That last year and maybe even years past, the the defensive line was taught to read the offensive line. They were essentially kind of like linebackers supposed to know if it's run or pass. And they were a little bit more um, measured and getting after the quarterback and, and getting after the running back. And not under Jim Knowles. They're go all the time. They're so, like, you know, there's not as many sacks as you would hope. But I will give props to Tyler Buckner, who I still don't think is a good quarterback. He got the ball out very fast. Um, some other quarterback could have taken some sacks, but there was so many quarterback hits, and they happened so quickly they were legal. Like there was he only stopped, one rough. Yeah, he was, but there was only one roughing the passer because they were there. They were hitting him. They were getting in his face. They were getting quarterback hurries, um, and that is different. They were affecting the run game um, because they weren't reading and reacting. They were just going. I mean, I, yeah, I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be a, a very. I think that's going to be a thing that Buckeye fans love. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so to switch over to the offense really quickly, I'll go over some stats. Stroud was 24 of 34, 223 yards, two touchdowns, 71% completion percentage. Uh, very, very tough game. This was this was not a Stroud game. And here's the thing. Uh, he's, he, I think he needs to get used to that, right? Um, the NFL is not going to be like it is in college where he's throwing for 500 yards every game. And sometimes he has to be a guy a guy and not the guy. And I think he did that well. I think he showed he could do that last year in certain games, but I think he, he did well to just make plays when he could. Um, Maybe, maybe if you're complaining, you wish he runs once or twice more times, but no interceptions, clean game. Uh, Travion Henderson, 15 for 91, 6.1 yards per carry. Mayan Williams, 14 for 84, six yards per carry, one touchdown. And then Emeka Ibuka stepped up big, big time, um, nine catches for 90 yards, one touchdown. And I think me and you've talked a lot about Emeka Ibuka, but I think just with, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Julian Fleming, Marvin Harrison, uh, Emeka Ibuka has kind of gotten forgotten a little bit. And, and without him, I'm not sure we win this game. So kind of like we did before, and any initial thoughts on, on the offense? Yeah, from a player standpoint, I think I tweeted this out, actually, but I felt like C.J. Stroud actually put out a pretty gutsy performance, you know, losing your number one receiver that you've played with since the high school All-American game, uh, losing Julian Fleming in warm-ups. That really throws a wrench into a lot of game plans because you don't know how much the backups and younger guys take on. You know, losing one of them might have been something you could manage and still have those explosive downfield passing plays, but you take a look at losing two of those guys. Now you've got Omeka Ibuka, who's got a lot of experience, but after that, uh, or not even a lot of experience, yeah, but after most that, of it is as a, as a return guy. Yeah. After that, it's barely any snaps on the field. Like Jaden Ballard, I didn't expect to be playing a significant role in game one, but there we were. Uh, so I think his performance gutsy, he made some incredible throws late. 
Mayan Williams, I'll be honest, I didn't think he caught it at first. I was like, this is going to get reviewed. Oof. That's because that's how the game was feeling for me. And I'm like, uh, this is not going to. And then Mayan Williams got the feet down. I think that was his best play. Like, he was mashing and running everybody over. But without that play, the drive's over. It's dead. Uh, and I know C.J. Stroud didn't run very much, but his escapability was a lot yeah. better today. He got out of the pocket. Uh, and I, I will always reiterate this. C.J. Stroud's a quarterback, and yes, it would be nice to see him break the plane every once in a while and take off when he has it. But we saw what he could do when he got outside the pocket thrown downfield, and that's his first job, be a point guard. Omek Egbuka is a better runner than he is. Uh, Marvin Harrison's a better athlete than he is. So, you know, he took what was there. He didn't make any mistakes. Uh, I felt like Ryan Day was a little too aggressive at the beginning, which kind of hurt his percentages and stuff. But second half, they found it. They ran the ball, and I think Ryan Day just needs to remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's only one time in the in the entire game I felt like Stroud should have run, and that's when he had like 10 yards up the middle, and, and he tried to fit yeah. the ball into a really, really tight window. And, and it's in just Notre like, Dame, take, take those yards, man. Yeah, like, like just take those yards. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, overall, gritty, gritty offensive performance. It is clearly not the performance that you want to see, and I'm not going to sit here and, and, and color it with – I'm not going to look at it with rose-colored rose glasses. I think we'd be doing a disservice. Scarlet-covered glasses, I think we'd be doing a disservice, especially if you follow me on Twitter because you all can see how I feel. But as far as player-wise, I think the players played well. I think that they played with heart. I think they showed a level of toughness that I did not expect and no one should have expected because of how they played last year. I think the offensive line was a, a big plus in pass coverage. Um, run, running run, running the ball, a little bit to be desired. A little bit to be desired in some of those, um, but they weren't as bad. They got better. I'll say they got better as the game went on. And so hopefully by the time we face another potentially really tough defense, they're a little bit better. Um, but we, as the game went on, we started to pick up some of those short yardage. And as you can tell, a war of attrition um, with the way the running game Absolutely. went, uh, especially as the game went on. And Dave finally realized that he could run the ball. I, I made a joking tweet where I said, I feel like, um, I feel like uh, uh, Alfred looked, Ryan Day in his eyes and said, if you don't run the effing ball, I'm going to beat you up. And uh, Justin Fry was in the background threatening to treat him like a drive sled uh, because he just <laughs> would, he wouldn't run the ball. And and it's like you could yeah. see it. It's like, fine, they weren't breaking any big plays, but they were running. And I want to give major, 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 major props to Travion Henderson because he displayed a level of toughness that he didn't have last year. And it's fine for him not to have it as a freshman who hadn't played in a year, who hadn't been in a, in a college weight room. But he got into that weight room. He experienced Big Ten football last year. And he wasn't breaking big plays, but I don't think he got tackled for a loss once. If it did, it was only once. And he fought for extra yards every single time. Every single play was ending with his shoulder into the stomach or the chest of a defender. And that's what yeah, you want to see. a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you want to see. So yeah, to build on that, I will say in the second half, we didn't just see inside zone. We didn't just see stretch. Like I saw offensive linemen pulling. I saw a counter play at the end with Mayan Williams. Uh, incredible. Uh, I think that was, was that the touchdown or did he get tackled just short? I'm trying to blanking on how it ended because I was so excited to see the offensive lineman pull uh, and lead through the gap. I know they like to get Cade Stover and Mitch Rossi moving across the formation to create that split action. But I, I, 
it took too long, but I think Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson, and I think this is with Justin Fry being added to the mix, like they changed it up a little bit running the football. And I, I don't want to be I don't I don't want to see Ryan Day scared to do that in the future. Like it works. You have two very talented running backs who know what they're doing. You give them those types of plays and you don't just make them run the same thing over and over again. You've got opportunities for some big plays. Yeah, for sure. And, and we would be disingenuous if we didn't get into this. Ryan Day had a terrible game. Just honestly, he did. an absolutely Absolutely. terrible game. You had nine months. Like, like the first the first drive, the first quarter, honestly, up until the second or third drive in the second half, he was being outcoached by Tommy Reese. Because anyone and, and I apologize if you already know this, I'm not trying to, you know, explain things that you already know, but when you start any game, your first drive, 5, 10, 20 plays are scripted. Tommy Reese's script was significantly better than Ryan Day's. You typically script again in the second half and that first drive coming out of halftime, especially if you get the if you get the ball first, because you you have a half of knowing what the defense is. You have GAs and analysts who are up there and charting plays and this is the coverages and all that kind of stuff. And every supposed scripted drive that he had was garbage. It was uncreative. Um it was ineffective. There was no cohesion. Tons of, tons of passes. No running the ball. There was just there wasn't even and there wasn't it really was, even a way for them to get into a rhythm. And as a head coach, but really as an offensive coordinator, sometimes you have to force a rhythm, especially when you know, as you said before, that your number one guy is out and your wide receivers are young. You have to scheme them open, and we know that he can do that. And he didn't do it. So Ryan Day had a terrible game. There's no other way to put it. Like he wouldn't like, you know, like at a certain point, Trayvon Henderson was averaging 7.2 yards per carry. He ended the first half with five carries and he didn't get another. I don't, I don't think he got another carry until late into the third quarter. Um, just a, an absolutely atrocious, atrocious, uh, atrocious play calling. I keep saying it, but it's true. And honestly, it didn't yeah. feel like the one good drive that we had, honestly, it didn't feel like he was calling the plays. It felt like Kevin Wilson was calling the plays, and we laugh and joke all the time that Kevin Wilson doesn't do anything, but we know what his Indiana team looked like, and they ran the ball. It felt like Kevin Wilson and Justin Fry took over the play calling and said, we're going to run the ball. Um, and I, so I want to open it up to you really quickly because you tweeted it, and I thought it was interesting. Is it time for Ryan Day to give up play call? Yeah, you know, I tweeted that in a heated moment. I was texting my buddy. I'm like, you know, it's about to be time to send off the fire Ryan Day tweet. And I was like, you know what? I'll alter that and say fire Ryan Day as the play caller. And I think that gets a lot of traction because every big game, it feels like Ryan Day puts up a stinker. It doesn't matter if it's Oregon. It doesn't matter if it's Penn State, Nebraska. Anytime there's an opponent that gets a little crowd noise into the stadium or can Punch Ohio State in the face. I think you said it best. Ryan Day's a bully. He gets in his bag against the worst teams on the schedule, and then the minute they play a team with a pulse, he coaches so finesse and so scared. And I think it, like you, Earl Bruce turning in his grave, Woody Hayes turning in his grave, Paul Brown turning in his grave because he needs to run the damn ball. And you have a quarterback with young receivers, and you have a defense that's doing everything you can to make it hard on your quarterback. Like, I, I cited the Northwestern game like three years ago when Trey Sermon ran for 300 yards. If a team's going to drop back eight, 
hammer the football until they commit to stop the run. And then guess what, Ryan Day? You could do all the finesse stuff. So in a moment of a heated nature, yes, I think he should give it up. Uh, I think he always learns his lesson by the third and a half quarter, like seven minutes ago in the third quarter, which is too late. But um, I think it's time. I think our friend of the show, Patrick Mayhorn, uh, said they need a real offense coordinator to do that. And, you know, at times I agree with that because I don't know if Kevin Wilson can, but I, I do think you were right on with he probably wanted to establish a run there. And it, it just it's just time to either reflect and look in the mirror and realize that, hey, being a head coach is hard enough. Maybe I just give opinions on plays and not call every single one. And yeah, I think I think it's time to give that some serious consideration. We've seen two years of this. It's it's time to really think about it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think the thing that me and you say all the time is the reason why he keeps Kevin Wilson, who doesn't do literally anything, is because he doesn't want to be challenged. If he went in and got a young hotshot offensive coordinator, first of all, he would want to call plays, which makes the job less attractive if Ryan Day's not calling the plays. And then two, he would be challenged on some of the things that he's doing. And one of the questions that we had a lot is did they actually self-scout? Did they learn anything? And I, I, I could say that there's a couple of things I think they learned. Again, toughness. Like you said, especially in big moments, there were some more gap schemes and that kind of stuff. But he just didn't get into a flow. He didn't get into a rhythm. And I, I genuinely think, and I tweeted this too, that there are a lot of areas where Ryan Day is a better coach individually than Urban Meyer. But the one area that he lacks the absolute most is you, no matter what you can say about Urban Meyer, he always had his team ready for a big game. Except somehow that game against Clemson, not the one in the playoffs, the one before the playoffs where they didn't score a single point. Um, every single big game, a game that mattered, win or lose, that team was ready. That team was jacked. And Urban Meyer's biggest flaw is he could cut, he could get up for the big games, but he couldn't get up for the little games, and that's how he lost some games that he shouldn't have lost. Um, but Ryan Day, he keeps his. I think he keeps his team at an even baseline, no matter if it's big or or, or little. So there's not as many upsets. But he doesn't get up for the big game. The bullying analogy is the best way that I could put it. And if anyone watched Friday, it's like Smokey and Friday said, I got mind control over Debo. When he's around, I'd be quiet. But when he leave, I'd be talking again. Like when a big dog shows up, he just he sits down and he's quiet. He doesn't do anything. And that is absolutely ridiculous. And that there needs to be someone that sets a standard and a culture in this room that we're Ohio State. I don't even care if you're Alabama. Yeah. We are going to do what we're going to do. And yeah, I, just I don't know what it that. is. I think we saw that with the defense today. I think Jim Knowles had those guys up for the game. I think they had them ready. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't talk enough about this defensive performance. Well, we're not going to go too much longer, but uh, I could speak for another hour on the defense and really go into detail. So if you want to hear that, we check Buck off, off next that. week. Check Buck off next week. We're definitely going to get into it. You didn't add to this, so I think you agree. Um, our favorite moments yeah. of the game, Xavier Johnson's touchdown, amazing. I mean, single-handedly, the touchdown by itself put him in Buckeye more. And, and I say that jokingly, but not jokingly. It That'll really be felt like, like lead-ins, the roles for pregame for, yeah. like, time, like a long time. It's a big touchdown against Notre Dame. It's he could, He's in. He's in. He could do nothing else this year. And he's a Buckeye legend. It felt Kenny Guyton S to me. Yeah, and it really did. Like, that was a big moment, and I love that for him in his career. And then immediately, because he's a dude, 
He goes out on special teams, makes a tackle, ten yard line, back to back fifteen. Plays. Yeah, like like he's a dude. He's a he's a guy. Um, yeah, I'm for sure taking my victory lap on that one. I don't know. He was getting talked about a lot by the coaches. I'm like, they don't just talk about guys unprovoked. And I'm like, no. this guy gets open. He had a good spring game. And I'm like, he's a special teamer. He's just a Swiss Army knife. He's going to make a play this year. I did not think it was going to come game one when Ohio State was down three points uh, to take the lead. But, hey, uh, like Kirk Herbstreit said, they brought the blitz. And what did he do? He did what the coaches said he did all summer. He got open and he made the play. Yeah, 100%. And the fact that they trusted him in that moment speaks to everything. Like, no, he wasn't on the field every single play because he's not the best wide receiver in the room. But when they needed something, he was on the field. And I think that speaks a lot. And, man, you talked about it. We said he was going to make a big play in a big game and go down as a Buckeye legend. And I just didn't know it was going to be week one. I think we need to highlight, like, in a world of five stars, you know, like, that room is filled with them. High four stars, five-star recruits, three more coming. You know, uh, four more coming. Sorry, Bryson Rogers. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, but Xavier Johnson, the three-star recruit from Cincinnati who played running back in high school, grinded it out, got to his fifth year, and was able to, like, steal the spotlight a little bit this in this game. And that is exactly, like, you need those types of players to go along with those five-star guys. And there's always going to be yeah. room on Ohio State for the Xavier Johnsons. Yep, and I love that it was a guy from Ohio because, as I say all the time personally, you can never forget Ohio recruiting because they set the standard. They teach the five, four, and five stars how to play Ohio football, and, and it, Ohio football is different even in the college level. Um, the next next big moment of the game, Mayan Williams' fourth quarter drive, uh, an amazing catch on third down, multiple big runs. He was running through contact. I mean, at one point took seven defenders, and they still didn't get him down. They, they just blew the play dead. I, I pulled the stats for it. He had seven rushes for 49 yards, uh, one catch for 12 yards and a touchdown. I think the drive was like an 80-, 90-something-yard drive, so doing some quick math, he had uh, 61 of whatever the total yardage was on that drive. A one-man wrecking show, uh, and that was just uh, – ice the game. To ice the game, and that was just a level of dominance that we really needed to see. Um, I don't even know what else you can say about that. Uh, moving on to players of the game, uh, Mike Hall. I, I've been trying to yeah. tell you all all summer. I understand he's in the same class where we had JT and Jack, and we had the two top the, the top two defensive ends in the country, and all that other kind of stuff. I get it, but he was a top fifty to sixty defensive tackle in the country. He was a de- he was a recruit that we never get. We never get top. I won't say never because like Tron Vincent was a five star, but we almost never get high four and five star defensive tackles because just truthfully. Larry Johnson's D-line isn't run through defensive tackles. It's run through defensive ends. We always get five-star defensive ends and top 150 to 250 defensive tackles. He was one of the highest-rated defensive tackle recruits we've ever had, borderline five-star, and people literally just forgot he existed. And you start to hear rumors. You start to hear things. He didn't play a whole lot. He ain't no three. They move him to the one. Like you said, he ain't no three. He ain't no three. And he had the game Uh, of his life. I mean, well, you say it all the time, but it came from Kevin Wilson. Game of his life, his stats are underwhelming to the impact he actually had on the game. Four tackles, two tackles for a loss, one sack and a QB hurry everywhere. 
And every big moment, whether it was a, whether it was a tackle he made, or if he was opening up gaps for other people, or if he was rushing the passer, he made plays all the time. And he stood out the most out of everybody on the defense. I, in my opinion, he stood out most on everyone on the entire defense. But on the entire team, honestly. On the, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I tweeted at one point, he's the best player on the field. And it really felt like he was the best player on the field. Um, so, yeah, honestly, to build on that quickly, uh, the, bla- the last, like, great teams defensively have all had a game-wrecking defensive tackle. Uh, think Georgia with Jordan Davis, think that. And I know he's not built from, like, that same size, but I think his get-off, his ability can really actually – have an impact of that level on games for Ohio state moving forward. And it's, it really shows how important dominant defensive tackles can be for defenses. Yeah. Um, he's not, yeah, a hundred percent next play of the game. Mayan Williams. We just talked about his game winning drive. That absolutely makes sense. Um, you put Xavier Johnson already talked about him, but then the last one, because it's the big 10 and because he got that dog in him, Jesse yeah. Mirko. I mean, the defense so are great, but go ahead. I added him in there because, you know, we're honoring the 2002 Ohio State Football National Championship team. I kept tweeting it out. I'm like, they're doing their best impression of Trestle Ball. Like, this is exactly what you'd expect inviting the 2002 team back. Get out a gritty win, play the field position battle. 21 to 10. In 2002, that would have been exciting. Like, huge win for Jim Trestle. 11-point win. We're talking double digits here. So, um, Jesse Murko, four punts inside the 20. Had like a 45-yard average. Incredible performance for a punter. And he didn't have the ones, you know, that kind of got fair caught on like the seven. He had ones that hit the ground and stayed inside the 10. And, you know, I, I'm just, I had to get it. I had to give him some love because I don't think we'll do that for the rest of the year. Yeah, honestly, a uh, great game by him um, and, and true Big Ten fashion, given highlighting the punter. Um, last thing as we round up injury suspensions, et cetera, no suspensions, no targetings. Um, JSN got injured. Uh, I don't think, I hope it's not a long-term thing. There's always a chance they hold him out next week because it's Arkansas State. Um, but he kept trying to go back in. And I think, you know, if the game really, really, really was out of hand or something like that, he probably would have uh, tweaked his ankle. Uh, thankfully, it's not a concussion, um, which means if he's healthy, he can play next week. With a concussion, you know, you, you typically miss a game. Uh, Should have been targeting, if we're being honest, but he also yeah. tripped up his leg, twisted it a little bit. So um, Ryan Day is, has not been super forthcoming with injuries, so I'm not sure if we'll ever know what happened or how long he's out, but just something to pay attention to. And I, I want to add to that, you know, you never want to have a player of Jackson Smith and Jigvis caliber injured, but we know whether it's he's out a week, two weeks, we know who he is when he comes back. Um, this is an opportunity for Marvin Harrison, Emeka Egbuka, Jaden Ballard, Xavier Johnson to get more game reps moving forward against Arkansas State, against Toledo. Like, that's real. That's a real opportunity. And yeah. You don't need to rush him back. Nope, which is 100% why I would fully understand if they keep him out next week. Get fully healthy for when it really matters. Um, sucks for our predictions, but... Yeah, yeah. So it sucks for him uh, breaking the record, but you know, it is what it is. What's more important is that he ha- that he gets to the pros, right? He helps us win a national championship, and he gets to the pros without without a, a career-ending injury. Um, what's next? Next week, we have Ohio State versus Arkansas State. We're not going to learn anything in that game. Uh, I mean, hopefully the offense is the offense we expect. But other than that, we're not going to learn anything in that game. Um, do you have any final thoughts on anything before we close out? Yeah, I mean, um, 
I know like everyone loves to complain, you know, Ohio state, we have high expectations as people who cover the team as fans do as well. The top five matchup, an emotional game. You lose your first two receivers pretty much one in warmups, one first, second series of the game. You tried to play a little bit. It, it turned out to kind of be a survive and advance game. And they did that. They did their job. I think despite only having 395 yards of offense, they, ended up having great balance. And if you could manage that for four quarters in a more explosive way, Ohio State's offense, I, 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 I'm i glad it was the offense that didn't play well because I think we could build on that. Yeah. But the defense showing out, it, that has me excited. And I think you could build on that. And then the offense will find their way. And, and let's be honest, how many teams on the schedule can stop the explosive plays? If we have the explosive plays, we have three more touchdowns. We missed the JSN long touchdown. We missed the Jack. We missed the Travion Henderson long touchdown. That's two right there. So mine almost had one where he just had no one in front of him. And he just got yeah, knocked out. Yeah. So uh, if if you add in the explosive plays, we're we're at forty two points instead of twenty one. I don't think there's too many other people, uh, too uh, too many other teams that can stop those explosive plays. They're going to come back. Uh, my final thoughts: You win your clunkers. Ultimately, you win your clunkers. This was a game that you had to win, and. Watching college football um, week zero, week one, there were a lot of teams with numbers next to their name or with a lot of hype this this week that lost or almost lost. Utah, number seven, lost. Houston almost lost. A lot of overtime games, a lot of upsets. It's week one. Anything can happen. Nebraska almost lost. I mean, that's Nebraska. The point that I'm getting at is we won. We won a game in a week oh, where I a imagine. lot of teams – we're losing games. A lot of teams were getting upset uh, and we're struggling. And at the end of the day, a win is a win. You move on, yeah, you live not, and you learn. Not everyone has the luxury of playing a low tier group of five team in their first game or an FCS team at Ohio State. They've challenged themselves in back to back seasons with their first games and they've come out victorious. So, um, a lot of good takeaways. Uh, make, I, I think we're going to talk about a lot of them on Friday with Arkansas State being the game. So I'm just excited. I'm excited to get into this game, look into some stuff for the film review. And that, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, I mean, it's game one, we won, and we'll move on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JordanW330. Chris, where can, where can I follow you? Yeah, you guys follow me at Chris Rennie CFB and just, yeah, make sure you're following me so you guys know when my articles are out and then the podcasts like this one and then buck off. So a lot of fun. Yep. Go Bucks. <laughs>